Hey everyone, I'm Charlie Shrem, and this episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Electronium and Permian Chain. Check them out more later in the episode. Well, 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 welcome everyone to Untold Stories, where twice a week we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement came to be. And if you're looking at me, I'm so excited. I'm in the new studio. I get two things. It's a, re- it's a great day for two reasons. I get to spend the next 40 minutes with my friend, Adrian, Crypto Burb. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's awesome to be here, Charlie. How's it going? The second reason I'm excited is because I'm in this brand new studio. I'm back with Wayne. For those who were listening to the, to the earlier shows, uh, you remember Wayne being, being our audio engineer. And then when COVID came, we had to go back to the home studio and everything. And the show kept going, but now we're back. We're in the studio again. We're ready to roll. We got everyone back together. Adrian, what is going on with Bitcoin right now? <laughs> it's a good question, <laughs> man. I mean, it's going mad. It's going crazy. It's going nuts uh, for uh, for the price, of course. As we speak, I have a chart, you know, just open in front of me. There's like 17163. So this is a big number that we've not seen since uh, since you know January or I don't December. even remember the last time the yeah, price was seventeen thousand exactly right three years ago. So this it's leads me to my question. This leads me to my question. You started the the Burbs Nest in twenty seventeen. So you've been through a few bull and bull and bust cycles. You you're a chemical engineer by by trade and by study. You're, you're, you are, and we got to hang out in Las Vegas uh, right before coronavirus hit, which was amazing. We got to yeah. talk about trading and, and crypto and Bitcoin, but those were, those were different times, right? Like we were going through this bear market and we just had come off this epic bull market. And, 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 and as you know, that bull market was, was largely fueled by, by this retail, tra- these retail traders, these people buying our friends, our uncles and aunts buying Bitcoin on places like Coinbase and owning the actual Bitcoin or the actual crypto in the ICO world. But the difference was they were owning the actual, like the actual asset, the actual digital crypto asset. Nowadays, this bull run is largely fueled by this this institutional world. And then I don't see a lot of retail traders because the retail traders that are buying are buying on places like PayPal, Robinhood, Square, Cash App, but they're not getting the actual asset. They're getting like a derivative of, or, or like PayPal's version of Bitcoin, right? Like in, in an Excel spreadsheet. So that's kind of like what I want to know. You run the, the Burbs Nest. You, you're talking to all these traders all the time. You're, you're educating people. You're, you're on the front lines talking to like thousands of people every single day, people that are buying and selling all sorts of cryptos. So like when I'm asking you like, what's going on with Bitcoin? You know, my, my question is deeper than that. It's like really... What is going on in the innards right now? Where are the retail traders there? What are the institutional traders doing that people are people talking about owning the actual asset? That's kind of like what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, man. I mean, you know, there is not a single not a single doubt that Bitcoin is going nuts, the crypto is going nuts. It's it's not only fully recovered, you know, from the market crash in March, uh, from the black swan of, of COVID, right? Pandemic. Uh, it's actually gone way, way, way higher than this already, right? So the crash itself that happened in March, you know, from 8,800 down to 3,800 for Bitcoin. I mean, this was such an amazing buying opportunity, but it just, when I, whenever I kind of like circle back, you know, with my memories, with my just, yeah. you know, uh, some thoughts back then to when it was happening. I mean, first of all, I'm very happy that I didn't sell a single tiny bit of Bitcoin that I had. Uh, so I'm 
already just against you know what what, what it was for the price uh, you know back you know half a year ago. There is entirely like now, wait, 60, are, 50% premium. Before you get to the premium, are you are you not selling Bitcoin because now with the infrastructure you're able to like borrow against it, or simply because you did never just wanted to sell Bitcoin? No, 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 no. That, that's what I said. I mean, the, in March, you know, there was of course like this depressive movement. I, I is a well certified technical trader. You know, I mean, uh, for for the analyst. Certified technical analyst. Um, I need to look at the price and what's going on in the markets, you know, just from the perspective of the te- technical analysis and the emotions that people assign to certain prices, right? So the market cycles that move between that oscillate from the bottom, you know, the depression that people fear extremely a lot, right? Uh, feel like extreme fear, uh, and to the opposite edge of extreme euphoria, which is sort of like going on right now when Bitcoin goes vertical. This is very uh, this is very typical to Bitcoin to go vertical like that when people are euphoric. Uh, so what happened in March? It was actually like a massive shakeout, you know. And it was a massive shakeout, especially twenty-five percent. Um, the price dropped in like one day or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was not even one day. It was a couple of hours. I was watching oh, yeah. live, right, when the price was tanking from eighty hundred <laughs> to thirty-two. It's like watching torture. So, yeah, it was. It was. It was crazy, right? <laughs> so I felt like you know Leo DiCaprio in you know, this Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, and this movie, you know, just that it was like, I'm not fucking living, you know, I'm not fucking quitting. Like it was in the, the movie. I love this movie, by the way. Thank you. Um, so it just felt like that, you know, and uh, and I this turned out to be an amazing decision, of course, for staying. And uh, what I think is very different, you know, uh, you kind of like refer to what happened, you know, back in 2017 when all the ankles and aunties and everybody was just buying, you know, grandmas and grandmas' dogs and grandmas' dogs' goldfishes and everybody was buying. Uh, this is sort of like different right now. And that's what we call the market structure, right? And the, the, the entire demography, the entire demography is, uh, is sort of like different right now. Instead of that's like what I was getting at, the demography, perfect word. So like, you know, Ari Paul was tweeting about it today. I was talking on a on a hedge fund call yesterday with some people about it. But but the, the group of like hardcore, you know, anarchists is one group. You have the, then you have the group of builders and coders and developers and people that are passionate. Those groups are still growing, but the groups, but they are different. I think what's happening now is that just for the same reason that Bitcoin is exploding and the mainstream media isn't even like hyping it up for us. It, it, I think they're just, they're different types of people now in, in crypto. And it's just, it's more, but it's different. It's smarter. Uh, what type of demographics are you seeing also? Yeah, I mean, so again, the demographics, right? Demography that is actually standing behind any market, not only crypto, but when you compare, you know, uh, the demography that is behind, let's say, commodity market, like like oat, you know, just wheat or or some corn, whatever, this is definitely different market structure, different market demography than when you compare that with crypto. And the average age of a trader, you know, is just way, way lower uh, for crypto, right? And uh, this, again, brings more emotional, I would say, responses that come from lack of knowledge and lack of experience. So it makes people more emotional, more irrational, and which empowers the bubbles, right? The yeah. bubbles, like like the one is, that is actually just happening now with, with Bitcoin. I mean, let's, let's face the truth, right? When chart goes vertical, this is nothing else but a bubble. Okay, and there's not a single point about it. And, uh, you know, this doesn't happen so often in other markets that are, more steady, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So again, the demography. Demography is what consists and creates the bubbles. And what we are looking at right now 
is another bubble after 2017. And part of Bitcoin just goes vertical. I have the same just feelings, you know, I had in 2017 when it was going vertical. Now, with this difference that, if you recall what I was saying uh, more than a year ago, on a stage, on Crypto IQ stage in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. I was actually talking about, yeah, I was actually talking about all time highs that were coming. And it's, well, it's just being in a process right now one year after. So uh, it was an amazing experience to be on the stage and actually, uh, to a large extent, predict what's happening uh, with, with quite a good accuracy. At least that's what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's and it's right. I mean, if you look at the the chart that's pinned to your uh, Twitter profile, you can check crypto underscore burb. That chart just goes up to like ten thousand four hundred. But you posted it back in February, and it kind of very accurately showed how things will happen, but from a very technical point of view. So a lot of people uh, are telling me, Charlie, is this the bubble? But I'm really asking you, is this really just technical analysis playing itself out? Of course not. Of course not. You know, TA technical analysis is just um, is a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Okay, there is of course you know some Fibonacci magic to that that you can find. You know, different Fibonacci ratios and Fibonacci sequence numbers that you can find, like you know, in the snail shells or just like in the nature, right? Of the way that people are constructed, built biologically. So there are different like ratios, mathematical formulas that all correspond with the Fibonacci sequence, and uh, so. And this is like a sequence mathematical formula that is kind of like built in in the universe and also in the financial markets, right? So which is why technical traders often use Fibonacci ratios in trading for expecting, you know, certain like reversal points, pivot points. But at the same time, again, when you add this sort of like a mathematical magic that just exists in the universe for some reason uh, and mix it and combine it with the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, uh, then all of a sudden you have technical analysis. And uh, yeah. this is actually very, very interesting uh, to just learn, you know, where it comes from. And this, this comes from behavioral finance. I mean, this is very good describing, describing, you know, just a uh, piece to that because uh, human brain is uh, kind of like rewarded with dopamine, with the hormone of, of happiness for recognizing patterns in general. When you can, when you spot a pattern, when you spot some ge like geometric, uh, shape that you've known before okay then your brain kind of like rewards your body with dopamine and this is of course becoming addictive and your body just gets pump up you know happy and everything so it empowers us as people to um to see patterns everywhere right and this is what makes this pattern just exist so like a black cat you know like just crossing the road like really good yeah, chess yeah. players are ones that can see the patterns and then see like the next steps or the different outlays faster than normal people can because uh, their brains just are wired differently. Like the, a lot of people are watching the Queen's Gambit right now. She had to like increase her amount of dopamine in order just to uh, in order to be able to see the patterns on the ceiling of of, of chess and it's an amazing TV show. We just binged it. It's like seven episodes or something. The Queen's Gambit. Don't about. spoil too much. I'm yet to go. We'll no, you have to watch it. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. But I'm, I know. I'm really happy to that you said something that uh so so the Fibonacci sequence, I have to be honest with you, it's one of these things even 10 years later, I still don't feel like I have a full grasp uh, of it. And I'm and there there are parts missing and maybe we can dive into that a little bit. The yeah, the question that I have about that is that so so in school, in school, when I was younger, I learned that there's this thing called the Fibonacci sequence. And essentially it's a mathematical, it's a universal mathematical formula that when you pick up a seashell on the floor, or you look at a flower, or you look at stars, or, or even you look at the, 
the constellations in the sky. You look at everything and there's this, there's this uh, pattern that a mathematical pattern that will always, uh, uh, the integrity of it has never been broken. This mathematical pattern has always been proven to exist. And, and, and anyone who Googles it right now knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's a very basic thing, but I still don't understand uh, who discovered it, in what context, why, and how it got like, how it, 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 it like, I'm confused. Tell, talk to me. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so I assume that the inventor, the discoverer, you know, for, for the Fibonacci sequence was nobody else but Fibonacci, yes. right? a guy named Fibonacci. And uh, that's what you're saying. I mean, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, I wanted to say Leonardo DiCaprio, by the way, when yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, like, uh, you know, just discovered, you know, well, actually just working on his famous, like, works and paintings and everything. Uh, there's, like, this picture of a man, of a human kind of, like, body, you know, and the proportions and everything. Uh, and this corresponds directly with Fibonacci sequence already, right? Oh, so in his book, yeah. For a long time. Yeah, exactly. It was known for a long time already. And uh, and again, um, Fibonacci sequences itself, like, well, again, I'm not a mathematical, let's say, uh, person. More, I'm, I'm a chemical technology engineer, so I, I did have some maths, right? But but I'm not, not a math expert for sure. But a Fibonacci sequence just is so unique because... Um, it corresponds directly and involves only uh, something that we call, uh, let me just check, uh, if it's called like in the direct translation, first digits. Uh, yes, I'm not sure similar to pi. Yeah, perhaps. So uh, prime numbers, that's yes. what you call that, right? Prime numbers. Uh, so this is, a, this is a kind of like a sequence, which is a chain of, of values of, of numbers, of digits. Um, that one after another, you know, there's always a prime number that consists of the sum of the past two, right? So there is, uh, there is, um, there is one to start with, okay? But before one, there was zero, there's nothing. So one plus zero equals one. So there's one, one. Then it's you two. have the sum of one, one, which is two. Then you have the sum of two. Uh, one and is one, three, three. And three, and so two, yeah, five. One. So that's and the, the ratio. Okay. And the, so the ratio, them, yeah. Exactly. The ratio between them is called the golden ratio. And this is always like point, uh, the ratio of two, um, uh, how we call the successive numbers, right? Fibonacci sequence. And the ratio one, one to another, uh, one divided by another is always Fibonacci ratio, golden, a golden ratio of one, um, you know, point oh six. I'm really excited when I get to talk about projects and companies that have been around since the early days of crypto and supporting those projects. In many parts of the world, banking services simply haven't advanced at the same rate as the adoptions of smartphones and the internet. Uh, Africa, Southeast Asia, it's they're skipping entire financial services over, they're skipping people over, and they're not even building out that infrastructure until cryptocurrency. We all know this, we've been hearing about it for so long. Electronium, a company based in the UK, decided to build an entire ecosystem based off of financial inclusion, empowering people, getting them involved, not just by working and by earning, but also by spending and being part of that community. Anytask.com is a company that's powered by Electronium, over half a million users, and you have the ability to do all these freelance projects, earn money, earn their tokens, and not only just earn ETN, but also be able to spend it on all these different things. 
What's what's crazy is that, and what's crazy good is that it's a, any task is attracting not just crypto people, but actual talented freelancers that are willing to take ETN in return for doing all this work. It, it's literally created this whole uh, ecosystem. And the thing is, it's not been just like a new novel idea. It's been around for a while. They're doing it. They're growing every single day. They're doing uh, millions of dollars in transactions. You got thousands and thousands of different people on the platform offering different services. And you should go check it out. It's it's so cool. The staff are great. The people are great. Everyone on the platform is so cool. Uh, according to ETN Everywhere, their official merchant directory, uh, ETN can be spent in over, I think it's 2,000 physical locations and online locations worldwide. You're talking about uh, in 140 countries, mobile airtime, um, shops, TVs, all these different things, not just being able to spend it. And so check them out, Electronium, anytasks.com support my sponsors they're so cool and i'm excited for you guys to check it out so if i give you a random very large number and i say to you can you break this down to its smallest primes or to its two smallest primes that's essentially what bitcoin mining is because we know based on the fibonacci sequence we know based on the mathematical formula that exists for thousands of years we can predict computing power and we could predict based on how much computing power we have because we've attached computing power to brain processing power to even things like horsepower because we know that and we know the Fibonacci sequence, we can, with fair accuracy, and this is the Satoshi invention, he was able to say, this is what the difficulty ratio is. And, and, and when people are mining Bitcoin, all they're really doing is based on a predefined uh, a number uh, a predefined difficulty, uh, breaking a number down to its lowest primes. And the and this is what brute forcing, you know, passwords is at the same time. It's just trying as many combinations as you can. And we know how long it takes computers or our brains to do that. You can do it by hand. Our computers can do it faster. It's the same reason why you can mine Bitcoin on, on laptops back then. And now you need, and then you could use video cards because they process faster. And then now you use these applications specific integrated circuit machines because they can process faster than anything else. And all they're doing is checking those prime, those checking those large numbers for the smallest primes. And when a miner finds one, that's when he gets the block. And so it's 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 very much a lottery system still because we don't there's no way to know that how close you are to finding the result until you actually find the results. That's why Satoshi was so brilliant when he created Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very interesting, you know, just hearing that from you, from like from your mom, because you know, I'm always a big fan of yours. And you know, I've heard so many, like I've seen so many materials, so many documents, you know. Uh, like of your early, how should I say, like beginnings, the origins of, of your just interest of the, the Bitcoin itself. And I think that's brilliant. And uh, you as an OG, as an old guardian, you know, this entire uh, industry as a crypto as it is, I mean, it's very interesting to, 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 to hear that from you. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not an IT spec, right? I'm not an IT like a specialist for sure. Uh, so, um, but what I can say instead, right, is, uh, I can briefly refer um, to what you said about the predicting the comp like computational power. I think there is a point that is actually uh, also one of the civilizational like, growth measures that is called singularity, right? 
And uh, the singularity itself as a phenomenon, both technologically and civilizationally, um, is a phenomenon that actually just relies on um, on the situation that we are not able to predict the computational power anymore. So this is like the moment that the technology goes and evolves so fast that any any sort of like our predictions, any predictions that we uh, that we can use in the build of the models that we've known so far are not going to matter anymore because this is going to be growing so fast because of the artificial intelligence that we will not be able to catch up with that. So that's what singularity is? That's how yes. we connect it all together? So essentially when Part, yeah. computers can figure out how to hash large numbers faster than we can think that they can, that's when we've reached the singularity. Singularity. Exactly. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, partially, right? Because this is, this is actually um, more from the economic point of view that says, you know, this is a stage of a development for, for civilization, for economy, that cost of technology drop, like, dropped so drastically that, you know, production of technology becomes so cheap that it just goes exponential and exponential and faster and faster, you know, just faster and faster. Uh, and the more we try to analyze, you know, the growth uh, with our old methods, with our old models, the more outdated it becomes to some sort of like extent, right? So this is this is a technological phenomenon and at the same time, um, economic phenomenon, because all of a sudden we will wake up to a war that artificial intelligence um, is let's say intelligent enough right uh, to well to be equal to human brains that's that's what sort of like it is all about as well to some extent is there is there a fear that that bitcoin will faster or crypto in general can faster bring about the singularity and i could ask you like more specifically why if you want but what are your thoughts on that that's a good one well so Charlie, right, um, while you're thinking i'll say this i'll say um so another, another, and it's funny that you mentioned OG old guard. I, I'm going to old guard. I'm going to use that instead. Cause I was, I don't like the term OG. Cause I always like original gangster. Like I'm from Brooklyn. So that's I, it's really? what I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't know what an <laughs> never, old guard. Never, I never, never heard anyone use the word old guard before. I literally till this minute thought OG stood for original gangster. Cause I, no that's, I don't know. I grew up on Jay-Z. What do you want me to tell you? Oh, no. um, okay. So, <laughs> so on that note, like what Satoshi did was, uh, another thing that he did was he economized, econo economizing. He created an economic incentive for environmentalists, and and I'll get to that in a second because he basically created the the race for for the most efficient and green energy. Uh, until now, climate change was as a back burner. Now we have an economic incentive to have faster and cleaner energy. Uh, Satoshi should be given the Nobel Peace Prize for for probably saving the the, the Earth. On, a, on an environment, environmental aspect of it. And I get letters from environmentalists all day telling me I'm an idiot. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you're, you're an idiot. Not you, Adrian, but environmentalists. <laughs> um, and I'll argue with you guys and fight with you any day on this, like seriously. Um, but the other thing that he did, which I'm kind of scared of, which he economically, so so for, for hundreds of years or dozens of years or whatever, hackers are, have been, always been trying to break into computers because they're economically incentivized to do so. As much as, as more as, as, as Bitcoin grows greater, the only way to really break or hack Bitcoin is to achieve the singularity. Because it's the only, the only other way to do it is if you have 51% of the computing power of the whole 
Bitcoin network as a whole. And the supercomputer doesn't exist to do that. Uh, a quantum computer won't re really be able to do that because the, the quantum computers and the ASICs that will be developed that will join the network beforehand uh, will be able to achieve that. The only way is if we achieve the singularity where the processing is faster than we think, the difficulty ratio won't be able, the difficulty algorithm on Bitcoin won't be able to keep up and someone will be able to come in a, a singularity and come in and mine Bitcoin 100% effectively breaking Bitcoin. Uh, that's the fear. And the fear is that they're economically incentivized to do so now because Bitcoin keeps growing trillion dollars, crypto in general. So like, that's a kind of scary. Now I say it out loud. <laughs> scary. I would say, you know, um, depends on which side you are, right? I, I personally, you know, not only perceive Bitcoin as a, as a way, you know, to, to hedge like for, for as an instrument, as an asset to hedge, you know, against the, the, the inflationary effect of, of the central banks. Okay. Because central banks want us to kind of like just pay for the inflation. They can just print unlimited amount of money, just propose a quantitative mm -hmm. easing just as much as they want to print and print in every just debt that they, that they generate because of, I don't know, elections or whatever, right? There always needs to be some funding for the campaigns and everything. Uh, so central banks can easily just print it. Right? And then just pretend like it's never happened. When you try to print it or when I try to print it, they would put my ass to jail. Right? But yeah. when, when politicians do that, it's all of a sudden all good. And, uh, you know, for so it stands opposed to central bank's policy, right? It stands opposed to this corrupted bank, central bank um, inflationary policy for the monetary um, like just direction. Uh, because it's deflationary model for Bitcoin, just what Satoshi did, as you said. Uh, the tokenomics of that is that um, it's it's circulating supply. Also, like, I mean, it has its end, right? There is no going to be more Bitcoins that ever mined than than, than the twenty one million number, right? Um, and that's the point, right? So we we are talking about this scarcity of an asset that grows over the time, and which means that if the scarcity grows over the time, the price should follow as well. Because that's the nature of, of, of the economics, right? So Bitcoin itself is uh, is a very interesting, uh, well, mathematical formula as well, right? Because the mining and everything, all, all the all the you know just um, how we call that, like this entire uh, hacking, mining, you know, just yeah. Hashing, there's no right? like word for it. Like I kind of call it like the uh, the incentive trifecta. You know, like how the yeah. the miners. The economic incentive, the minor incentive, the integrity incentive, the social incentive is all kind of tied into one checks and balances situation. Exactly. I don't really know what the word is for exactly, it. Exactly, right? And this is, well, what we're seeing right now is uh, exactly, again, back what I was saying on the stage in Las Vegas. Uh, I remember that very well. Um, I was saying it about, about cyclicity, like this, this fact of Bitcoin being cyclical, right? And just the market cycles that occur. And we... Since then, since it ever was concepted, you know, we, we've had four market bottoms, uh, but only three peaks. And every peak we've had so far was a new all-time high on a major scale, right? So technically speaking, again, we are kind of like just predestined to go to a time high and way within lever. And now the economic recession, you know, it just corresponds perfectly with what uh, conditions, you know, in Bitcoin was uh, was released. You know, it was released uh, as an answer to two weeks after the Lehman Brothers bank collapsed, that the entire housing bubble bursted. You know, 
that entire economic recession kicked in. And now we are, boom, 12 years later, we're in the same place. And Bitcoin is passing the test perfectly. It really is such a, uh, like, every day that Bitcoin and crypto, like, as a whole, because it's not, you know, like, uh, there are a lot of other projects, coins and tokens that you and I like that are on that, like, the path to decentralization and are doing the exper- uh, experimental work on the further, like, technical adoption of, of this, like, budding industry that we're in. Uh, but it's kind of crazy that every day we exist is further, not just validation, but it's further proof of our existence because it's such a small, uh, like, these small times. Uh, Adrian, what goes on at the Burbs Nest uh it's been running for a few years. We have a lot of loyal fans, a lot of people. Uh, people have asked me questions like, uh, ask Adrian, you know, what he wish he knew before he started investing. People that really want to know your education and your knowledge, is that, are those things, are those the type of things that go on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, the Burp Nest as it is, as a brand, and that I founded in 2017, um, is from the very beginning, you know, has always been oriented for education, right? It has always been oriented towards educating those who actually need it. And uh, by those who need it, I mean everybody who is actively investing in crypto because guess what? When people have no idea what they're doing with their hard-earned money and lifetime savings and, and loans and borrowings and everything, they would just pour in everything and buy the perfect top because that's how the market cycles are constructed, right? So, uh, so again, if there are some taxi drivers or Uber drivers, or I don't know, like cashiers, you know, just uh, the shop again, no offense to anybody. This is all sure. beautiful job and service to the three people. Uh, when they start talking about Bitcoin that, or, or that they, you know, they just bought Bitcoin. Well, practically I need to say, you know, okay, that's the time to sell because yeah. it means that the mainstream was reached. But and those people aren't reached, talking about it yet though. That's what, that's exactly what I wanted to touch upon, right? So it means that we are not at the stage of the sentiment, like the sound, the sentiment of a crowd that we had in 2017, which brought us 20k. So I think we are basically going way behind it. Right? I mean, way, way, way. Actually, I should say way, uh, way fatter, right? Uh, way longer. And um, you know, when it comes to all-time highs, you know, for my predictions, I actually did a, a quite a comprehensive. Um, Cheat sheet, you know, recently my Twitter um, that you know just gives a number such as you know um, twenty six thousand, thirty thousand, forty six thousand. Okay, as the potential exponential uh, development for the trend and the all time highs for Bitcoin. Will it reach one million per Bitcoin? Honestly, I'm not certain about it. Okay, um, I, I would rather just approach it realistically. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that technology. So, was that? I mean, I'm a big fan of that. I, I agree with you. And I would love to see us like go above 20,000 and just kind of sit there for a few weeks or months. Like the longer we sit above our previous all-time high, it's like a rocket pad. It's like a rocket launcher exactly. that starts higher in the sky. I'm wearing a NASA shirt. Failure is not an option. I just got to watch the SpaceX yeah. rocket two nights ago live. I know. Unbelievable. I know. <laughs> Adrian. That's, that's crazy. That's um, crazy. Really, really, really uh uh, thank you for so much for coming on the show today and testing out the new studio with me. Uh, we'll get you on a part two. Uh, for everyone who wants to follow the Burb Nest and and Adrian, it's uh, twitter.com, crypto underscore Burb, right? 
Boom. Yes, it is. And everyone can follow you. I I, I hope to see you again soon and and uh, visit you over there in Europe. I honestly, I don't even want you to come here. I want to come visit you over there. I, Poland's my favorite country, and I can't wait. I'm I know. Over. I'm trying. <laughs> I'll see you soon, I my just friend. Thank you. The plane. <laughs> That's crazy. I'll see you soon. I appreciate it. I appreciate the show. Thanks, sir.